Lord, would you pour out your spirit right now in Jesus' name on me and on those that are listening in this teaching moment. Amen. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, this is the fourth week of a series that I have called uh, Hope in an Upside-Down World. If you're wondering what I mean by upside-down world, well, here's what I mean. It's a world where the abnormal has become the norm and where pain and suffering, like waking up in the midst of a hurricane or uh, having your house taken from you because of fire, in addition to a pandemic, etc., etc., is the context for your daily living. Upside down world. And we've been looking at Paul as he writes the Jesus followers in the Roman colony Philippi. Their world is upside down because uh, they're dealing with religious persecution. His world is upside down because he's in prison and he's innocent. So an innocent man who's arrested and under, in prison for two and a half years simply because of the profession of his faith. And for the last several weeks, I've been talking about the main point that he's been making. I've been trying to help us drill down that if you really want hope that's etched in eternity, to, to, to entrust your life to God as we know him in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was preaching, right? And make the decision that uh, you're going to honor God in every circumstance. Here's the verse that we've been paying attention to. And Paul writes from prison, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to honor God with my life in every circumstance. And we've been challenging you to make that commitment. Now, I was anxious to move on from here and move into chapter 2. But God just, just said, no, 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 no. Read the next several verses because there is what we call in the preaching world a rhema, a word of revelation for folk who are trying to struggle through this moment right now. So let's keep reading what Paul says after he says, look, I want to make sure I'm honoring Christ whether I live or die. It's as though he has a moment of full transparency and he kind of thinks out loud here and he says this, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. For if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live, end quote. Let me begin here. I think Paul is wrestling in this text with the very thing that you and I are wrestling with as we live through this unprecedented historical time. And that's emotions. You know, you have all the faith you need all the faith you want, but all of us from time to time, we're going to be getting in the ring, finding ourselves wrestling with emotions, all kinds of emotions, right? Uh, a long list of them, right? Anger and fear and anxiety and pain. And the list goes on, right? Uh, grief and uh, trauma, depression. And ultimately, this word right here, overwhelmed. I mean, how can you not be overwhelmed even if you're a person of powerful faith in this moment in history. I mean, check it out. You're dealing with whatever's going on in your personal life. You may have some challenges with your kids or grandkids. You may have some financial challenges. This is going on. It would be happening under normal times. 
And then put on top of that, right, all the stuff that comes because of COVID-19, pandemic, being sheltered in place. There's a huge a lot of stuff there, right? And then put on top of that, uh, uh, you know, all this racial justice stuff and how, that inf- how you're interacting with that. And then put on top of that, if you're here in the Bay Area, a heat wave that broke out. And then put on top of that, fires that broke out in the four corners of the Bay Area. And then put on top of that, uh, the rest of us who couldn't go out to take a walk or go to the park because the, the, the smoke, the smog in the air was horrible and dangerous. Or if you're in Louisiana or Texas, there's a hurricane that's wiping away homes and livelihoods. Can somebody just say overwhelmed? Can you write that in the Facebook chat? Overwhelmed? And oftentimes when we look at these emotions, it's not just one emotion that we're dealing with. We're we're oftentimes dealing with a a wide variety of emotions. Listen, I talked to you a few moments ago about uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Jacob Blake being shot seven times. That's one expression uh, of horrible stuff that we're dealing with that causes us to be angry and anxious and fearful. But there are other stories, right? It's not just about what we're dealing with with African Americans. I've got an Asian, I got Asian Americans on my staff that tells me all kinds of remarkable, horrible stories too. My senior assistant who's biracial, she's African American and Asian, but if you look at her, you just think she's African American. She said a person came up to her in a grocery store and pointed out uh, an Asian woman who's just trying to find good fruit. She's picking, good, picking her fruit, right? And he points and he says he's going to tell the manager because she's spreading the China virus all over the fruit. That's just what I call ignorant hatefulness, right? Or the folk who walk up to Asian Americans and say you need to go back to where you come from because they are blaming all Asian Americans for what they call the, the China virus, which is ridiculous and hurtful and angering. So the truth be told, uh, part of that is driven because a lot of those folk, they have anger, fear, and anxiety driven by what they're hearing on TV and some of the horrible propaganda that's coming across TV. The fact of the matter is, the bottom line here is that we're all wrestling with different types of emotions. And oftentimes, you may find yourself like me. I feel like I'm in a wrestling ring and I'm getting ready to take on one emotion, anger. And the next thing I know, I've got, I got three or four other emotions that are surrounding me and I'm wrestling all three of them. Can somebody say overwhelmed? Overwhelmed physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It's enough to put you in a basement. You know... Uh, uh, several months ago I shared this story I'm going to share it again for fresh insight during my first six months of pastoring in Boston, Massachusetts Church, Roxbury Presbyterian Church there's a woman there who I'm going to call Jackie she had two remarkable grown kids and, and their kids her oldest got strung out on drugs and just life fell apart Jackie did everything she could to try to help her daughter and just got it went from bad to worse and more. Ultimately, Jackie just kept waking up day in and day out, just feeling overwhelmed. Jackie's friend, who happened to be an elder on my board, came to me and said, look, Pastor, I got a friend named Jackie. She doesn't attend this church, but I would really love it if you'd give her a call because I think she's going through a really difficult and dangerous time. I really wish you'd give her a call. Now, 
As we think about being overwhelmed, here's the point I want you to get. Overwhelmed brings to our lives temptations. And one of the greatest temptations overwhelmness brings is the temptation to quit. And just for the next few moments, I want to talk about one. I'm going to talk about two more next week. But just one temptation to quit today. And oftentimes it is the temptation just to give up on life itself. And so while Betty was talking to me, uh, a few days later, Jackie was so overwhelmed that she decided to go down the stairs into the basement of her apartment. And she just concluded, I'm going to quit. I'm quitting life. And she's getting ready to take her life right there in the basement of despair. Now, some of you listening to me, I may be describing your situation. And if I am, I truly want you to lean in and walk with me through this this, uh, message. Others of you, you're listening at me, you're thinking, well, I'm not really suicidal, but I am in a basement of despair. I am in a place where I am totally overwhelmed and I I need some help to navigate the basement of despair. So I want you to lean in. Can you type in the chat? Lean in. Lean in. Listen. The first thing I want you to hear, if you're in the basement of despair, for whatever reason, I want you to hear that you are not alone. That in that basement are some of the greatest biblical heroes that we've ever learned about and read about. One of them being Paul. The Apostle Paul. Now listen. Here in the letter of Philipp- to the Philippians, the Philippians, it's made up of four chapters. Sixteen times Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. You read those words from Paul, you conclude, man, he's just always got it together. He's a man of solid faith. He's cool. I want to be like him. He never ends up in a basement. Right? In chapter 1, he talks about joy and rejoicing at least three times just in that one chapter. He said, man, that's, that's what I want to be like. He, how do I get to be like him? Because he never ends up in a basement of despair. But I don't know what it was between ending verse 20 where he says, look, whether I live or die, you know, I want to make sure that I'm honoring Christ with my life. And, and, and verse 21, maybe Paul just started thinking. Maybe he just started thinking about how he had done the best he could to be faithful, following and serving Jesus. And all the times he got shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead and beaten. And maybe he was just thinking about the fact for the last two years, here he, here he was under house arrest. You know, today if you're under house arrest, you have a bracelet on that keeps you in certain perimeters. In Paul's day, to be under house arrest in Rome meant that he had a Roman soldier chained to him 24-7. And every six hours, those soldiers would change shift. Just imagine being chained to a soldier for 24-7. Now, ultimately, Paul would preach to those soldiers. They would be by the hundreds over the, over the couple of years of, of changing shifts and engaging with him, right? And many of them would come to know Jesus. But just think, from time to time, he had to wake up in a basement. And I'm just assuming that, that, he, that, that this is kind of what triggered when he talked about, you know, I want to honor Christ when I live and die. And it was almost as he said, well, speaking of death, can I just be transparent with you guys for a few moments? Can I just kind of tell you what I'm kind of feeling right now? He says, look, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying, that feels, that's even better. 
But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He's, he's saying, look, I know that. I'm affirming that. I get that. So, in truth, I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires, right? <laughs> this is how we know he's in the basement of this place. He says, listen, I long to go and be with Christ. In other words, I want to get up out of here, man. I'm ready to exit this life. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to call it quits. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Hey, if you're in a basement of despair, sister, brother, whoever you are, you're not alone. Paul's in that basement with you. Jackie's in that basement with you. And then what about Elijah? Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of all times in, in the Hebrew Bible, which we call the Old Testament. And we find him having stood up to, uh, spoke truth to power, right? King Ahab and his wife Jezebel was misusing their authority in horrible ways as they led the nation of Judah. He stood up to them, called them out. He fought against and won the battle against the false prophets. Jezebel said she had enough, and she essentially puts out a contract on him. And we find Elijah wrestling with his emotions as he moves towards ending up in the basement of despair. Watch verse 3. Here's where it takes up. Elijah was afraid, wrestling with his emotions. Out of that fear, we find him fleeing for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah. And here, watch, as we move towards the basement of despair, one of the first things we do, we move into isolation. Notice what it says here. Here, he left his servant there. And then the next verse says, he proceeded, he went a day's journey into the wilderness all by himself. So first there is isolation where we begin to cut people off, right? And then he sat down on the solitary broom tree. And here we see despair and depression at its worst. And perhaps he's sounding like you at some point. And he prayed that he might die. It's like, I just want to get up out of here, God. Next verse, he says, I I've had enough. Does that resonate with you? Somebody was just <laughs> living through the pandemic and the COVID and the fire and the hurricane and whatever's going on in your house and somebody's sick and somebody that you love has died. I mean, does it, does it resonate? Is, is there somewhere inside of you, there's a voice that says, I've just had enough, Lord. And he says, take my life. Another version says, kill me. Let's do it right now. If I'm no better than my answer. In other words, I'm as good as dead anyway. Get me out of here. Elijah is in the basement of despair. So here's the question that you and I have got to wrestle with as we wrestle with our emotions that takes us down the stairs, uh, having been overwhelmed and places us in the basement of despair. How do you survive the basement? Once you type that question into the Facebook chat, how do you survive the basement? Well, there's several insights. The first insight here is what I've already said. First of all, recognize that uh, you're not alone, that you're not odd or peculiar or different or weird, that there's a whole lot of folk of faith and no folk faith living in this upside-down world in the basement of despair. They're all up and down your neighborhood. They're in your house. They're in the church. They, they're all around you. You're not alone. Secondly, there are some things you can do, though. Hmm? Why don't you type this in the chat? Things I can do. 
But the instructions come through this text. All right, let's look back at this, at this text. Let's see uh, what this text says. He says, I've had enough notice, Lord. Yes, he's complaining. Yes, he's venting. But he's not venting and complaining to thin air. He's not venting and complaining to himself. He's venting and complaining to God. So the first insight is, if you're in the basement of despair, start talking to God. Don't just talk to yourself. Don't talk to the walls. Talk to God. If you've got to vent, if you've got to complain, talk to the one who stands between time and eternity. Talk to the one who has one hand on tomorrow and another hand on yesterday. Talk to the one who is both invisible but also inescapable. You know, he's in the basement with you. And if God is in the basement with you, then there's hope in the basement with you. There's possibility in the basement with you. The, 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 prob- the improbable and the impossible is in the basement with you. Talk to God. John the psalmist, uh, John Habakkuk, when he says, how long, O Lord, must I cry and you will not answer? Uh, he's echoing the cries that are across America when he declares, I even cry of violence and you will not save. Come on. But at least he's talking to God. John the psalmist who declares in Psalms uh, 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you look away from me? But at least he's talking to the maker of heaven and earth. I mean, cry out with the psalmist who writes Psalms 42. As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for thee. Uh, 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 but but he's, he's looking for God in a weary land. But at least he's crying out to the creator of the universe who showed up in Jesus and conquered death on the cross. Talk to God. That's number one. It reminds you, it affirms he's in the basement with you. He's inviting you. Talk to him. Number two, notice what happens in 4B. Look at, look, look at, look at, look at what happens. So he, he lay down and slept. Once you type in the, in the chat, he lay down and slept. Just type that. Under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Now type in the chat. Get up and eat. If you're watching me, just say, get up and eat. Notice, notice, lay down and slept. Get up and eat, all right? And then he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and then lay down again. Implications, went back to sleep. Type, lay down again. If, if you just say a lot, lay down again. Notice the rhythm. Went to sleep, woke up and ate, went back to sleep. The rhythm. Here's the insight that God is trying to teach you. Here's how to survive the basement of despair. One, talk to God regularly. Two, watch this. Activate a rhythm that says rest more and eat better. That's it. Rest more and eat better. Rest more. Here's, 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 you know, he, 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 you know, he's exasperated. He's, he's depressed in order for him to be prepared for what lies ahead. He needs more rest. Oftentimes we find ourselves in a world that is upside down, trying to control more and more the uncontrollable. Type that in the chat. Trying to control 
the uncontrollable. And you know how that looks in our lives? That here's that, here's how it sounds in our lives. You, you say stuff like, you know, I, I'm so exhausted, but I just have so much work to do. And, and you, you keep trying to pursue it as though that you can somehow get it all done. And I, I just want you to know this at some point, if you're not careful, all of that work you have to do will be your undoing. Because, listen, it's insanity to think that you can control the uncontrollable. But what you really need is to figure out how to call it quits, how to, as a pastor once taught me, Pastor Frank Pinker taught me years ago in an intern, he says, you got to learn how to pronounce the benediction to the day as you start the evening of rest and recuperation. Wow. Eat better. We don't really know, but the suggestion is that since there's an angel involved, that the bread that's being cooked on the hot stones is potentially similar to the manna that falls out of heaven. It's, it's, it's healthy stuff, we see. Bread and water. Eat better. I was talking to a partner of NBCC, and he said, you know, a few months ago, you challenged all of us to initiate a period of fat, prayer and fasting. You know, Pastor, I did. And he said, you know, at the end, so what, what he did was he, he decided he's going to eat one meal a day and he's going to eat healthy. At the end of the fast, he had a revelation. This should happen when we go through periods of prayer and fasting. What we're trying to do is we're saying, God, help me reveal, teach, show. We're trying to get closer to you. Guide, right? And, 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 and he said, I had a revelation. He said, at the end of my fast season, my thinking was clearer. He said, I felt physically fit and better in my body, healthier. He said, my emotional capacity was greater. He said, so you know what I decided to pass? I decided once I ended the fast that I was just going to adopt this as a lifestyle, that I was going to eat one meal a day and make sure that meal was healthier because he made the connection that, that you and I, we have to make if we're going to survive the basement of despair. And that is that our physiology is connected to our psychology and our psychology is connected to our spirituality. You see, that we are mind, body, and soul. And so it begins with a rhythm of resting more and eating better if you're going to survive the basement. The third insight that pops out of this text about what you can do in the midst of this moment, it's godly insight. It, 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 it comes uh, in, in a remarkable expression. And it's, 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 so first, talk to God. Second, Rest more. Eat better. Third, go back to this verse. Here it is. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Here's a suggestion. He went to sleep talking to the Lord. And what awakens him is an angel that touches him. All he knows is something touches him and when he wakes up, he sees someone there. I'm not convinced that he thought this was an angel that he concluded. Perhaps it just looked like a person to him, but this is a person that had a unique provision, food and water for him and a unique word for him, right? Uh, uh, angel. Can you say angel? Can you type angel in the, in the, in the, in the chat? 
an angel. Biblically speaking, while oftentimes we're talking about celestial beings, but consistently we're talking about messengers from God. And so here's the insight. See the angels in your life. See the angels that God has placed in your life. Type that in the chat. See the angels in your life. Because God's put some angels in your life. He's put some messengers in your life to communicate your value, to communicate his love for you, to, com- to call forth what God has put in you. He's put angels in your life. See them, find them, engage with them. Uh, one angel might be the seven-year-old that keeps bringing you joy that every time you, you see her or him, there's joy that leaps up. In that angel is the messenger from God that says, you see how how." you are needed the, the angel might be your uh, grandmother or grandfather who who just knows exactly what to say when you needed it said and, and, and they may continue to help build you up and affirm you the angel might be a spouse or a girlfriend or a sibling who just keeps calling God's best out of you and says look man you got to get up out of that bed and and and, and you got you God's got a future for you See and engage the angels. You know, uh, when my biological mother died out here in the Bay Area a number of years ago, about 15 years ago, I'd been up for three nights in a row straight, around the clock, caring for her. When she died, I went back to my hotel room. Rhonda was still in Boston. It's where we lived. I was there alone. There was a knock at the door. Just before I fell asleep, I got up and opened it, and there at the door was my angel. It was my brother-in-law. He had heard what happened, and he came over to my hotel room. He said, Herman, just go back to sleep. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to sit here with you. And I slept for hours, and all he did, he didn't say anything, he didn't, do it, didn't require anything. He just sat there with me. It was a messenger from God that says, you are not alone. I, I, I'm with you. And it came in the form of my brother-in-law. Who's the angels that God has placed in your life? Are you overlooking them? And then lastly, as we wrap up to this, uh, our time together today, let's look at verse uh, 7. Look at verse 7. Here's what he says. Then the angel of the Lord came again. He, he'd eaten and slept, eaten and slept. See the rhythm? Then the angel comes again and touched him. The angels in your life, they give you good wisdom. They give you good advice. Notice this. He says, get up and eat some more. The journey ahead will be too much for you. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. This last insight. How do you survive the basement of despair? Access the supernatural. Write that in the chat. Access the supernatural. We have all kinds of expression of supernatural around this text, right? There, 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 there is talk to God. That's, that's, that's accessing the supernatural, right? There's the, 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 the angel that shows up with this remarkable provision of food and water. All of that stuff, right? And now here's what he's saying. He's, say, he's saying, look, the journey ahead is long. And so I, I need you to eat and rest a little bit more and take some of this supernatural provision that I'm providing for you because in order for you to make the long journey, you're going to need to access, come on now, the supernatural. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm trying to get you. The journey through this pandemic is going to be long. 
The journey through the ups and downs of life will be long. And yes, it's going to be important for you to do these other things that I've talked about, but you've got to open your life up because at some point you're going to find yourself in a basement and you're going to be saying, enough is enough. You're going to be saying, I've done all that I know. You you, you will have used up all your brain power and you can't find a solution. Come on, you, you will have done everything you know to do and you're going to need the power of God to explode into your life. You need just enough faith to allow God to be activated in your life. Wow. Well, how do I access the supernatural? Well, first of all, ask God. When I've been, I had four or five conversations with pastors this past week. And I ended up ministering to them and praying to them because we're all going through some tough times. And I started off praying, Lord, help them to catch their breath. But ultimately, that prayer morphed into, Lord, help them to catch your breath. That's my prayer for you as I challenge you to access the supernatural. I want to challenge you to ask God when you get up in the morning, Lord, help me to catch your breath. I want to challenge you as you're going through the day and you say, I can't make it. Lord, help me to catch your breath. Ruah, that's the breath that gave life, uh, that God breathed into the dirt, and dirt became a living soul, men and women, ultimately, right? That's what, in the New Testament, we talk about is the spirit. Paul refers to it as, as the spirit of Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, I need more of the spirit of Jesus Christ to feel my life. Huh. Let me give you some real practical things very quickly inside of that. Uh, inside of that some additional ways to catch your breath is number one update your playlist listen I love Stevie Wonder and and Tim McGraw I I listen to those I love that but every now and then I need some spiritual music I need some I need some contemporary gospel I need some classical uh, Christian hymns I, I, I need to be reminded through music that the God that I serve in Jesus Christ is a way maker he's a miracle worker he's a miracle worker a promise keeper light shining in the darkness I, I want to encourage you update your playlist even if you don't know where to start just access NBCC's app and look in the media section we got all of our worship songs make sure you're spending some time every day and allow the music of heaven to penetrate your soul. Update your playlist. Secondly, regularly engage with Scripture. You need, the, the, you need to encounter the God of the Bible that works miracles. You need to encounter the God of the Bible that will sustain you in lonely places. Read Scripture. And open your life up to be surprised by God. <laughs> Let me end it here. So Jackie was down in the basement. She said, well, look, God, I'm about to quit. I'm about to give up on life. I'm going to give you one more chance. Listen, if if you want me to do something different, you need to disrupt me right now. And in that moment, the supernatural occurred. The phone started to ring and ring and ring and ring. And something inside of her said, go upstairs. So she climbed up those stairs and went to answer the phone. And on the other side of the phone was me. She had never been to Rock's Prayer. She had never met me. But I called her and said, Miss Jacket, this is Pastor Herman calling from Rock's Prayer. I'm just calling to tell you that God loves you. And I just want to check and see how you're doing. 
And that phone call God used, turns out in that moment I was her angel. And that phone call God used to bring her up out of the basement of despair. And her life would go on and she would live to see her daughter. God turned her daughter around. Not overnight, it would take time. But he totally reversed things in her daughter's life and, and turned her into an amazing mom, the daughter, and just a healthy person doing wonderful things now with her life. And, and, and she would have missed all of that had she called it quits in that basement. But thanks be to God, she was open to the supernatural. For somebody listening to me right now, this is your supernatural moment. There's a phone number right here on the screen. And if you've been thinking about hurting yourself, or you've been thinking a lot about death, or you might even have a plan, don't think about it. Call this number right now. God is using me to speak to you, and he says, don't you dare quit. You're going to miss a whole lot that he's got in store for you. All the stuff that you think has gone wrong, God's got a new day, but you've got to hold on just a little longer. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for this moment. My prayer is simple. Give us the strength and the courage and the faith to choose to trust you and not quit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, there's a connection card that's uh, on your screen, either in the Facebook or on the website. There's some next steps. I want you to look very closely and seriously at it, including if you're not ready to make a step of faith, you just want more information, there's a blank for you to check there. And I want to challenge the rest of you. And there's a thing that says, look, I'm ready to follow Jesus, be a, 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 his disciple, right? But here's, here's the deal I want you to consider. Message response. I want to challenge you to do this right now. Check this. I'm going to make the decision to trust and not quit. Trust God and not quit. I'll see you next weekend. Listen, this is one of those messages that you may need to listen to several times in order to catch the spirit of it as well as absorb the content. And it is certainly one of those messages that you may want to share with family and friends. By the way, while I'm talking about sharing, let me encourage you to share on Facebook this worship gathering with your friends. Or you can send the link to our website uh, and, uh, and share that with family and friends. I encourage you to do that. So many people need to hear this message in a time like like today. And I want to invite you to uh, reflect on this question. Take a picture of it right now. Where are you tempted to quit, to give up? in your life. Process that with some family and some friends. Think about it. Talk to God about it.